You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this edition of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. This is your host, Chuck Cook. Uh, David, it's great to be with you this beautiful day here in the South. It is, and uh, I hope it stays that way. I hope so. We're not getting a hurricane, it looks like. I feel pity for and, and sorrow for the folks in Puerto Rico. That is, uh, in the Virgin Islands, that's uh, terrible. And our friends over in Barbuda, Antigua, got apparently they got creamed again. Um, but it looks like um, Puerto Rico may be in for a and the VI could be in for a really, really terrible, terrible situation. Um, so yeah, it's already been declared a disaster, as it should be. Uh, it's uh, the VI was essentially destroyed uh, by the last hurricane that pulled through, uh, and uh, our hearts and prayers go out to them. And hopefully, our money, as soon as we get some relief efforts going down there, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad, unfortunately. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. You know, um, you know, one thing. If I can add something yeah. to that. It's not only I, I saw I don't know who it was PBS or one of one of the stations uh, pretty good pretty good thirty minute show. It's not only the devastation of when it happens and the day or two or uh-huh. ten days after, but now like the amoebas in in uh, Houston, they're mm-hmm. having a real problem oh, with and. Uh, and the, all the aftermath, all the, the bacteria. dirty water. Oh yeah, and, uh, you know, it's terrible. Just, yeah, terrible. Well, and the stripping of the vegetation. I mean, uh, the yeah. pictures that we saw some of the islands that literally turned brown overnight. That takes a while to for nature to fix it. It will fix itself eventually, but it's just going to take a very long time. And um, there just isn't a lot on a lot of these islands. I mean, whether it's fresh water, certainly whether it's food. Uh, most of the stuff is kind of trucked in or boated in. It's it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And hopefully we'll open our arms to these people who are really internal refugees at some point. They're going to have to be coming to the mainland. Uh, David, today I wanted to talk about today. Cause tomorrow I'm going to be on a panel uh, before Leadership Atlanta talking about uh, immigration. And they have asked to be on the panel to provide an opposite point of view, a guy named Phil Kent. Uh, Phil Kent is one of the leading anti-immigration voices here in Georgia. He is a spokesperson for uh, uh, one of the national anti-immigration uh, organizations and uh, should be interesting to, to talk about this. But I wanted to talk about uh, what I'm doing tomorrow in the context of what's proposed today. Now, last last show we talked about DACA. We talked about uh, what what that meant to kids and, 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 and to America. Um, but we are hearing a lot of rumblings. It looks like Congress is not going to pass the DREAM Act on, on its own. The DREAM Act, which we'll talk about in more detail today, would be uh, really the path forward for these kids. And, you know, the thing is there's literally no downside to the bill. There's just literally no downside, none. There's no, nobody gets harmed, doesn't cost the government anything. They make more money. Society is improved. There's literally it's, – it's the most no-brainer bill of all to pass in Congress unless – you just don't like these kids. There's something about them, the way they look, the way they are, the way they came, that you simply cannot tolerate. Uh, but we're hearing a lot that maybe the DREAM Act could pass if they tied it with uh, Senator Perdue's RAISE Act. Uh, uh, the RAISE Act um, is uh, Senate Bill 354. Now, I will tell you, as, we, as we're going to look at some of the bills today, uh, for example, in the House... There's a Republican bill called the Iraq Act, Recognizing America's Children Act, uh, which has 32 Republican sponsors of that bill. Uh, uh, there is the, the Bridge Act, which is a 
is what it sounds. It bridges uh, the time from the end of DACA until Congress can fix something. So it lets them stay in the United States and get a work permit, just like, you know, it's congressional extension of DACA. You have the DREAM Act itself in the Senate, uh, which is uh, written by Lindsey Graham and is sponsored by a number of Republicans and Democrats and could easily, easily pass on the floor of the, the Senate today. But what you're hearing is that any of those bills uh, to to appease the tr- uh, the Trump voter, and I don't really believe this, but it's certainly to appease a certain aspect of the Trump voter and to appease some of the crazier members of Congress like Steve King, uh, you would have to pass it in tandem with something like the RAISE Act, R-A-I-S. But you know what? I see, David, nobody really knows what the RAISE Act is. You hear David Perdue saying, oh, it's going to be great for America's economy and, you know, we're going to focus on high-skilled immigration. But what I have learned, and David, you probably learned the same lesson, one, never trust a politician. To read the bill. Remember this? We had this discussion years ago. Didn't a lot of these guys get elected recently? Said I'm going to read every bill that I vote for. Do you remember those kind of conversations? I, uh, I remember some of them. Um, do you think they actually read the bills they vote for even today? No. You know what we're going to do? We're actually going to read the bill. Now I'm not going to sit here and read it word for word on air because everybody can go to. But I want, what I want to look at because I have the great benefit of being an actual immigration lawyer for 27 years. Uh, I, one, know how to read the law. Two, I am intimately familiar with the actual Immigration and Nationality Act uh, that this bill purports to amend. And I am thoroughly familiar with the consequences of every aspect of immigration, um, from the tax aspects, the societal impacts, to the social aspects, to the the electoral aspects of, of immigration. Um, and I see a lot of the stuff on Facebook pages, for example, say, yeah, we need to stop this immigration because uh, we're going to immigrate all these Democrats to America. You know, here's the weird thing. We have been at uh, a good level of immigration for the last, really, 30 years. Um, don't we have a Republican president? If, if immigration <laughs> is is bringing in more Democratic voters... Then why is Republicans still? Why do Republicans control the House, the Senate, and the, and the White House? I mean, it, it it really flies. People can say stuff; they can literally make up conclusions. But you really can't necessarily make up your own facts. Although we will talk about that in a second. Trump Trump actually did this recently by suppressing uh, some facts. But let's look at Senate Bill three five four. Senate Bill three five four uh, is. Uh, uh, written to, quote, amend the Immigration Nationality Act, which is the immigration law that we have, uh, to uh, eliminate the diversity visa program, uh, to limit the president's discretion in setting the number of refugees submitted annually to the United, admitted to the United States annually to the United States, uh, to reduce the number of family-sponsored immigrants, and cr- to create a new non-immigrant classification for parents of adult U.S. citizens and for other purposes. I always love when it says, and for other purposes. It's not a long bill. It's, it's only 15 pages long. Think about it. Our Immigration Act, by the way, is around, printed out on, on decent-sized font paper, about 350 pages long. I mean, it's not immensely long. It's not the tax code. Uh, although if you look at the reg- regulations, you have hundreds of more pages. But here's what it says, um, what, what, uh, what our friend Mr. Perdue wants to do. Uh, this act may be cited 
as the Reforming American Immigration for Strong Employment Act, or the, quote, RAISE Act. Don't you love when they give acronyms like this? Because what, what they're doing, this is all about marketing, right? This is about selling a product. The product here is a really terrible idea about how to destroy American immigration. But if we couch it in terms of the Strong Employment Act, then, oh, wow, who, you know, everybody will want to be part of that. Um, I think the appropriate way of, of pronouncing the RAISE Act would be the R-A-Z-E Act, uh, literally the tearing down of our immigration system. So first, Section 2, the elimination of the diversity visa program. Now, David, do you know what the diversity visa program is? I've kind of talked about it before. Um, think about it in terms of diversity. Uh, when you use the word diversity, you, diversity tends to get kind of a tough meaning in conservative circles. But uh, the reality is what this has meant is to diversify the type of immigrant that it comes to America. The diversity visa program was created in 1990 as part of the Immigration Act of 1990, uh, which, which substantially modified our employment-based and family-based immigration. So the last time is we looked at this really 27 years ago, uh, pre-wide use of the Internet. Uh, and this was really designed to bring in people from countries who didn't normally immigrate. Now, think about this, David. You know, we shut off immigration from Asia between 1922 and 1965. Literally, there was no immigration from Asia, period. That was a result of the kind of the eugenics movement and the anti-immigration movement, the anti-Asian movement uh, that permeated America from about the 1880s up until or 1870s, 60s, up until about 1965. But really, it's 22 was the height of the, the, the exclusion of Chinese immigrants to America. Um, it's starting in 1882. And so there's no Asian immigration. Uh, and because our immigration was really focused after 65 on family connections and on jobs, there was really no way for anybody from Asia or, or from Africa to immigrate to the United States legally. Because they didn't have family here, and they didn't have, you know, there wasn't a network of jobs open to them. So the diversity lottery really focused on Eastern European countries, from which we did not have a lot of immigration. Um, it focused heavily on Africa, and at least a little bit on Asia. Uh, if you were, and a little tiny bit in Latin America, but not really that much. And if you look at the immigrants today, particularly from Africa you would see that a large chunk of immigrants from Africa that have come in over the last 25 to 30 years have come because of the diversity lottery program. Uh, 50,000 people a year get green cards in this program. Uh, now, some have said, well, what a joke the program is, because really, David, it's not a question of qualifications, because the diversity program is actually a lottery. Now, think about this. We actually give green cards away to people based upon luck. The requirement for this program is either that you have a high school diploma or that you have two years of experience in a job that re requires two years of experience. Let's say you're a mechanic. But if you have two years of experience as a housekeeper, you're not really going to be qualified if you don't have that high school diploma. So the diversity program has been really good for the diversification of immigrants to America, but really it is based entirely on luck. Uh, and so you get a number of people who have used the diversity program and come to America and realize, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'll throw a flyer, throw my name in the lottery, and they get picked and they come in and go, oh my gosh, I don't really want to live here, and they leave. 
Now, we don't have solid numbers on how many have left, but I'd guess anywhere from 10 to 20 percent would be those that have gone home after winning the lottery. Say so it's not really for me to live in America. But this bill eliminates the diversity visa lottery program in Section 2. Just, just gone. Uh, so there's no more. The next part of this program is it does uh, – uh, do something as part of the date. It's the Immigrant Investor Pilot Program um, and uh, makes some modifications to that, although the modifications themselves are a little bit unclear because what you do as you read Section 2 of this bill, it'll say stuff like, by striking Paragraph 2 and by 2, by redesignating Paragraph 3 as Paragraph 2 and a Subsection E as redesignated by Subsection blah, 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 blah. And unless you're literally following along in your act, you don't really know what they're saying. This is why when you, these guys, these congressional representatives and senators are going to read the bill, the bill makes no sense unless you know the law. And here's what's interesting. Uh, as part of the um, uh, Section 610D of the Departments of Commerce, Justice and State, this year and related appropriations of 1993, is amended by striking Section 203E of such act and inserting Section 203D of such act. So you've got really a, a real variety of stuff that's going on as eliminating the diversity lottery program, and that would be effective the first day of the fiscal year after the enactment of the act. Now, next, David, this bill talks about is the annual admission of refugees. Remember, they want to take away from the president the ability to uh, vary the number of refugees. Uh, and here, uh, they ins- there is no maximum right now, but there's a minimum set. The minimum is 50,000. Now it says the number of refugees who may be admitted under this section any fiscal year may not exceed 50,000. The president shall also annually enumerate the number of aliens who were granted asylum in the previous fiscal year. Uh, so you've got a real massive change. So you eliminate the coming of refugees to the United States. And we're going to come back in our break here and talk about how magnificently short-sighted this is. We'll be back in a minute on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, we were just talking about the RAISE Act and how it limits the number of refugees uh, to 50,000 maximum a year as opposed to that being a minimum. Here's where I talked about earlier that Trump literally has, in fact, made up his own facts. 
the Department of Health and Human Services um, conducted a study uh, last year uh, that was finished this year in the summertime. The study was never released in its entirety. It was an internal study completed in late July, but never publicly released, that found that refugees over the last 10 years, from 05 to 2014, contributed an estimated $269.1 billion in revenue to all levels of government. Overall, this report estimated that the net fiscal impact of refugees was positive over the 10-year period at $63 billion. But David, you never saw this study. Why didn't you ever see this study? Why was it never released? Huh. Um, this was never released because somebody at HHS saw this, this study and instead submitted a three-page report dated September 5th that only looks at the cost of the refugee-related programs, expenditures, within HHS. And it says, quote, in an average year over the 10-year period, per capita refugee costs for major HHS programs totaled $3,300. Per program costs for U.S. population were lower at $2,500, reflecting a greater participation in the programs. So somebody in the administration decided to keep the positive aspects of the report out of the final report. An internal email dated September 5th and sent to uh, sent among officials from government agencies involved in refugees said that, quote, senior leadership is questioning the assumptions used to produce the report. What this means, David, is somebody doesn't like the facts that, in fact, refugees actually make America stronger. Um, so you see a, uh, a wild... Um, uh, number. Uh, uh, this is a, an administration, my friend Mark Hetfield, the president of HIA, said that's running a program that's its intent on destroying. Uh, and what they want to do, the president is going to issue a report from DHS that says they only want 40,000 refugees this year. Now, David, keep in mind that Australia accepted 17,000 refugees last year. Okay. We want to accept 40,000. Do you, off the top of your head, know how many people actually live in Australia? Not many. 24 million. So if we took in a proportionate share of refugees that Australia has taken in, 17 to 24 million, we would be taking in several hundred thousand refugees a year. But we don't. So when you see a lot of these reports, David, uh, of people that uh, complain about refugees, and they look at Australia, they took in only 17,000. Well, they have 24,000 people, in the, 24 million people in the country. So this is really a, uh, uh, a wild um, analysis. It's a wild issue on refugees and really very contrary to what we state should stand for as a country. So that's the next part. Of, uh, that's Section 3 of the RAISE Act. Section 4 of the RAISE Act says, quote, family-sponsored immigration priorities. Quote, Section 201 of the Immigration National Act is amended, one, in subsection B2A in Clause 1, by striking children, 
spouses, and parents of a citizen of the United States, except that in the case of parents, such she or she shall be 25, 21 years of age, uh, and inserting children and spouse of a U.S. citizen. And what that means, David, we have historically, since 1965 at least, defined immediate relatives of U.S. citizens to include parents, spouses, and children of U.S. citizens, children being children under the age of 21. This bill defines it as spouses and children. So parents will no longer be able to immigrate through their children to the United States. Gone. This is important. Last year, we immigrated about 550,000 immediate relatives. These are parents, spouses, and children. So if you want, let's say you you decided to get yourself a second wife and went online and said you're going to marry somebody from the Philippines, David. Um, well, you could bring her in. Of course, you'd be, you'd be a bigamist at that point. But let's say you want to bring a spouse. That's an immediate relative. And if that woman has, uh, or man, depending on who you want to go, nobody cares anymore. We're not going to judge you. Um, if that person has, <laughs> if that if that person has kids, those children, if they're under eighteen, are also immediate relatives. Or if you yourself have kids or born outside the United States, they're immediate relatives. You could also, let's say you immigrated to America, she immigrated to America, she could ultimately, when she's a citizen, she could sponsor her mom and dad. They're immediate relatives. So if we take parents out of the mix of immediate relatives of the 550,000, let's say probably around 100 to 150,000 people. So now you shrink immediate relatives by about 30%. By about 30%. So that's legal immigration just going away. So here's the bigger question. Would you immigrate to America as a young man or young woman if you knew that you could never bring your parents here? Now, a lot of the people that immigrate to America, they have values that are very strong, very family strong value, family values, and they want to take care of their parents. And they, they, want to, they want to be there for them when they're older and can't care for themselves. But what they're saying is, well, you can't do that in America. This is really antithetical. To American values, antithetical, but it does please the people who don't like old people and don't like old people of color, who don't like people who have different religions. They don't get to come here. So he, David Perdue, is siding himself with those people by saying they can't come here. All right. Um, next, worldwide levels of family-sponsored immigrants. This is very important because this is where the big lie comes in. Right now, David, there are about. Uh, in the category of family-sponsored immigrants, there are about 220. Let me get these numbers right. No, 435,000 that come in any fiscal year. The worldwide level. This is in from Section C of, of uh, uh, Paragraph C of Section Two, Section Four. The worldwide levels of family-sponsored immigrants under this subsection for a fiscal year is equal to 88,000. Minus the number computed in paragraph two. So we have gone from what is essentially 435,000 down to 88,000. That is a massive, massive cutoff of numbers. But then that 88,000 is subtracted from, quote, anyone who entered the United States through parole under section 212D5 in the second preceding fiscal year who did not depart from the United States within a, within a year, 
did not acquire the status of an alien lawfully admitted for permanent residence during the preceding two fiscal years, or who acquired such status during such period permanent residence status, that exempts adjustment of status from the numerical limits of the worldwide levels of immigration and uh, then strikes a series of things. So you take the 88 and you subtract out 10,000 people, 15,000 people. So now you have gutted family-based immigration because you also, add Section B, saying, okay, spouses and minor children of permanent resident aliens, so family-sponsored immigrants described in this subsection are the spouse or child of an alien lawfully admitted for permanent residence to the United States. So that number uh, is is uh, uh, substantially reduced to numerical limitations on any state. So is amended by saying 75% of family-sponsored immigrants not, are not subject to per-country limits. Now, that's actually, actually not a bad thing. This is one good thing you could put in there, and that would make the lines a little bit less short. But if you're saying that the numbers are going to uh, be reduced to 88,000, the lines are going to get longer again. And in fact, what's going to happen, David, is you're going to see a substantial increase in illegal immigration. We saw this as part of the of AMAC 90. When you didn't have lines that worked for people, that made immigrating to the U.S. through family quicker to bring particularly spouses and children in, you increased illegal immigration. This will lead directly to increased illegal immigration to the United States. Um, Section 2, as part of this. um, Rules for determining whether certain aliens are children. So children are now only children under the Immigration Act, if they're under the age of 21 uh, as part of the Child Status Protection Act. It also amends waivers of admissibility. It also amends waivers of admissibility uh, by striking other than paragraph 4. So this is extraordinarily complicated stuff, David. But what you're seeing here is uh, the elimination of individuals uh, who... Uh, currently can immigrate. So right now you have five categories of people, six categories. You have immediate relatives, spouses, parents, and child of U.S. citizen, about 550000 a year. You've got, first category, adult unmarried children of citizens. That's about 23000 a year. That category is gone. It's gone. If you're in the line right now, you're done. You're done. You're no more line. You're out of the line. Section second category, spouses, 2A, spouses and minor children of permanent residents. That's about 75,000, 80,000. And then unmarried adult children of permanent residents, about 30,000. That category is gone. So no more children, unmarried children of permanent residents. You've been waiting in line for 20 years. Too bad you're out of the line. Family-based third preference. These are married children of citizens. Currently about a 15-year wait. Gone. And then finally, brothers and sisters of U.S. citizens. About 65,000 a year immigrant in this category, gone, gone. Uh, and this bill eliminates every one of those family-based immigration categories. Um, and it does create a new visa for called the W visa for parents of U.S. citizens 
um, who are eligible to come to the United States on this visa temporarily uh, so long as they can show that the they have health insurance coverage for that person at no cost to that person for the period of time that person will be in the United States so they can never immigrate to America. And again, this is effective on the first day of the fiscal year uh, that it happens. All right. So, and here's what it says on invalidity. Any petition under Section 204, that's all these family petitions, seeking classification of an alien under the family-sponsored category that was not eliminated by the amendments of this section um, shall be considered invalid. They're all gone. So this big joke, David, for all these years that we've had, these people just need to get in the line. The line is gone. It disappears. It's just evaporated. That's what this bill does. This bill helps no one. But it does, in fact, do a great job of destroying immigration to America. That's the RAISE Act. That's what David Perdue is sponsoring. And that's what's bad for America. We'll be back here in the next segment of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet a www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. It's great to be back on America's Web Radio. Thank you, David. Uh, yeah, this this bill is uh, does exactly nothing to help America other than to eliminate family-based immigration. Now, they're going to argue, well, if there's no more family immigrants coming, then all these Americans who don't have jobs can get jobs. We've had this discussion before. Are they going to forcibly relocate people? Is that how they're going to do it? Your job this week, sir, is um, uh, is to uh, uh, pick onions in Vidalia, Georgia. You're going to put you on a bus from New York, and that's what you're going to do. I mean, what? It, it, it really makes no sense whatsoever, but it goes to where Purdue and Tom Cotton, who is the spokesperson for the anti-immigration movement, he took that title over from Jeff Sessions. Um, the spokesperson for the anti-immigration movement. And Purdue apparently thinks that he's going to run for president of the United States, either 2020 or 2024. Talk about delusions of grandeur. Uh, David, I thought when you first ran that you were 
an answer for Republicans, uh, somebody who came from the private sector, who understood how business worked. But you have delusions of grandeur. You really do. Uh, you do not know how the system works. Uh, and apparently you built your, your business career on the backs of immigrants that you now seek to exclude from the United States. Honestly, shame on you. Shame on you. Um, let's take a look at um, some of the other uh, bills that are out there because I think it's really important to look at the DREAM Act. What does the DREAM Act do? What is the analysis of the DREAM Act? Now, this bill is sponsored by Lindsey Graham and, and Mr. Durbin and Mr. Flake and Mr. Schumer, so it's a completely bipartisan bill. Um, I just don't think Flake and Graham have any use with McConnell to get anything passed, although... You know, Graham has got the bill for uh, to eliminate Obamacare. If he gets that passed, maybe he's got juice to get the Dream Act to the floor of the House, the Senate. So what this bill does, uh, it uh, it it takes uh, kids and puts them on a path to conditional residence in the United States. So here's what it is. Um, at the time of obtaining the status of an alien lawfully admitted for permanent residence, under this section. To have obtained such status, the requirements are as follows. So you can get conditional resident status as a dreamer if the following. All right. Uh, you have been continuously present in the United States since the date that is four years before the date of enactment of this act. Now, the DACA, DACA of course, is a 2007 bill, right? You have to be here from 2007. That's a decade ago. This stretches this back to four years. So this is interesting, David. This is far, far greater than the DREAM Act, I mean, than the DACA. So way broader number of people. The numbers here are probably closer to 2.5 million as opposed to the 1.5 to 1.8 million of DACA. Uh, You had to have been younger than 18 on the date in which you entered the country. DACA is 16. So this is, again, far broader than DACA. All right, next. Um, you can't have, you can't be inadmissible. So you can't have any uh, crime involving moral turpitude. You can't have any made any misrepresentations. You can't have been involved in uh, terrorist acts. Uh, you can't have been involved in any persecution of individuals under under as we'd see under federal law. Um, and you can't have been convicted of any offense other than a state offense for which an essential element is the alien's immigration that is punishable by a maximum term of prison of more than one year. So that's a felony. And or any, you can't have three or more misdemeanors uh, which you're convicted of. All right, so if you have a felony, you're out. If you have three or more misdemeanors, you're out. Um, next, you must be admitted to an institution of higher education, have earned a high school diploma or equivalent, uh, or be enrolled in a secondary school, so being high school still, uh, where you're in the process to get a diploma. So you have to be in university, you have to be uh, have had gotten your, your high school diploma, or be in high school. Uh, there is a waiver of this ground um, if you uh, there's a humanitarian purpose or family unity waiver that you could bring more people in if you have, for example, committed a crime. Uh, that crime may be something that, you know, it might be something that wouldn't be terrible if you did it. Uh, it might be a crime under state or federal law, but not be something we really want to keep you out of the country for. I can't give you an example of what that might be today, David, but let's say it's trespassing. 
Let's say there's a felony trespassing. You committed, there's no damage you committed. Maybe you got in a fight. Maybe it's simple battery. You got in a fight with somebody where they charge everyone with simple battery. Do you really want to deport people for life if they don't, if they had a fight as a kid? Um, next, uh, treatment of expunged convictions. An expungement, so what, this is actually a massive change to immigration law. Expunged convictions are convictions for immigration purposes. An expunged conviction here uh, would be one that's not recognized as a conviction. That actually is a good thing. Um, the secretary next shall cancel the removal of or adjust the status of an alien lawfully made for residence who is granted DACA unless they have engaged in conduct since he was granted DACA that make him ineligible for DACA. The application fee will be set by, by the government. Uh, there are exemptions to the application fee. Uh, if you are younger than 18, your income is, um, uh, is less than 150% of poverty level income, or you're in foster care. Um, you have to do your, your biometric and biographic data. You have to go through a detailed background check. You have to get a medical exam as part of this. Um, and uh, the continuous period of physical presence in the United States uh, uh, must be uh, continuous here. You must register for selective service. Uh, there's a limitation on removal if you're in this category. So this is the DREAM Act that if you put on the floor of the Senate today, absolutely passes. Now, what you get, David, you get a period of permanent residence that's good for eight years. Okay, conditional residence, good for eight years. It can be terminated under certain circumstances. Okay, so if you get this conditional residence, uh, you it can be terminated if uh, you cease to meet the requirements that you drop out of school. Okay, you're going to condition, you're going to take away your, your residence. Um and, uh, but you do get a hearing for that. Uh, if you commit a crime, you could, you, you're going to lose your conditional resident status in the United States. And then you return to your prior immigration status, with that, whatever that would be, but then you could be subject to removal from the United States. Uh, once the eight years passes, in order to remove the conditions on your residence, uh, you have to show either, you have to show that you have remained in the United States, that you acquired a degree from a higher education or completed two years of schooling in good standing with a bachelor's degree or higher in the United States. You have served in the armed forces for two years, or you have been employed for two years, or at least three years, uh, at least 75% of the time that they have had valid work authorization. So you're working full-time, basically. And then, of course, there are some hardships, exceptions to that. Let's say you, you have a medical condition or a mental condition that prohibit you from fulfilling those requirements. Um, you can then obtain United States citizenship uh, after you've had the conditions removed uh, going through the normal naturalization process. So the bill really kind of covers all purposes of doing this um, and re has certain documentary requirements and certain processes and affidavits and ways of, of, of making sure that the higher number of people can qualify for this bill. Now, one thing we know about DACA is that DACA has been a net economic benefit for the United States. There is literally no downside to the DREAM Act. Nobody is hurt by this bill. Uh, it tries to bring in as many people as possible. Uh, it doesn't reward the parents of these kids who brought them in illegally. They were brought in as minors to the United States uh, and is in every aspect thorough. Now, here's what's really interesting, David. The DREAM Act, which covers a very small percentage of, of people in the United States, 2.5 million, is 35 pages long. 
it, it is thorough. It is thought out. It provides for contingencies. It's, it's designed to make sure that if Trump is the president when it's signed, they can't monkey with the program. But the RAISE Act, which essentially destroys legal immigration to America, is gone. It essentially destroys – it's only 15 pages long, at least the parts that, that are relevant to our discussion today. So, David, you see a, you know, a really interesting um, uh, process here uh, of what people really want to accomplish. They, if you want to accomplish something that's good, it's going to take the ability to delineate uh, that type of goodness uh, for uh, a, a valid bill – to really pass, I mean, you're not going to be able to, uh, to, to in any way, um, make make law out of thin air like Purdue wants to do. And it's really sad to me uh, that we have this bill that he's put forward, which is really beyond all the expectations, just a joke, just a joke of a bill, uh, and doesn't in any way solve the immigration problem in America today, other than through massive numbers of deportations from the United States. Um, Now, Purdue's bill also does, in fact, to go back to 354, a point system uh, in the the United States. Um, Now, this point system is really interesting because what what they'll tell you to look at Canada's point system, Uh, look at... um, uh, look at the point system uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, Australia. But those point systems are based, if we go to the larger version of the bill, which has 40 pages in the Rays Act, um, what that really does is doesn't really look at how those really work for those countries in populations that are a tenth of our size. So here's what Purdue's Act, Rays Act does on, in Section 5. Worldwide levels of immigration. So it says, point-based immigrants described in this section shall not exceed the number specified in the fiscal year, 50% of the number of the previous year. Basically, the worldwide levels of immigration right now from point-based is, is 140,000. So they want to take a large chunk of that 40,000 and turn those into a point-based system. Now, here's how the point-based system works, David. You get points, for example... Um, for your educational degree. You get points for your uh, age. You get points for your English language ability, proficiency in testing. Uh, You get points for um, uh, family uh, that may come with you. So here's what it says. You're only in the eligible pool for 12 months. An applicant who is not invited to apply for employment-based, point-based immigration during the 12-month period in which the application is eligible may reapply in the next eligible pool. So what this does is it, it takes the 140,000 employment-based immigrants. It eliminates people uh, from jobs that employers would want them to be in. Let's say, David, I need somebody who... Um, will uh, be a cook. I need a cook. Cook is not going to qualify under this point-based system. It's not going to qualify. Um, and if they're not going to qualify, they're not going to come. Uh, the And even better, if you qualify under the system, you can bring your minor children if they're 18. Current system is 21. So you can bring your kids. But if your kid's 19, 
they're not coming with you and mom, even though they may be in college, even they may depend on you for income, they're no longer considered minor children. Uh, you're also ineligible for public benefits um, in the United States under this program um, during the five-year period in which they immigrate to the United States, which is the current law anyway. When we come back, we're going to look at the final aspect of the RAISE Act and then compare that to the DREAM Act, and you're going to see that the DREAM Act is written by people with a brain, and the RAISE Act is written by people who want to hurt America. We'll be back in a second on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We've been going through the RAISE Act and the DREAM Act, and we just started going through the RAISE Act's point system. So uh, we look at Section A. This is, this is actually in um, a creation of Section 220 of the Immigration Nationality Act, so the English Language Proficiency Test. Uh, the International English Language Testing Systems, as administered by a partnership between the British Council, Cambridge, blah, 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 are going to take that test. That's the test they're going to take. Next, the proficiency test ranking. The English language proficiency test ranking means the decile rank of the applicant's language proficiency test score when compared with all other applicants, people who take the test during the same period. Um, and they can test that all the time. High school means any high school that meets the criteria. 
Uh, and then it goes through uh, the following. You get points by your age in general. An applicant may accrue points for this age based on their uh, age of the applicant. So one, ages 0 through 17. An alien who has not reached 18 may not submit an application. Okay, 18 through 21, you, you get 6 points. Ages 22 to 25, you get 8 points. 26 to 30, you get 10 points. But then it goes down. 31 to 35, 8 points. 36 through 40, 6 points. 41 through 45, 4 points. Age 46 through 50, 2 points. Ages 51 and older, no points. So basically, we're eliminating the immigration of people who, who look like David Perdue <laughs> to the United States. How ironic is that? Education uh, may only accrue points for education payment under the subsection on the highest degree obtained by the applicant as of, as of the date submitted. So if you have a U.S. high school degree or a foreign degree, that's one point. A foreign bachelor's degree is five points. A U.S. bachelor's degree is six points. A foreign master's in STEM is seven points. A U.S. master's in STEM is eight points. A foreign professional degree in STEM is ten points. A U.S. professional degree or doctorate in STEM is 13 points. Uh, so you can get up to 13 points. So if you are 25 years old or 27 years old, let's go back to that number, and you get 10 points, and you have a doctorate, you have 10 points. Of course, it's hard to get a doctorate and be under 30. That's kind of tough to do. But let's say you manage to do that. There you got your 20 points. And your English language proficiency, even your first through fifth decile, um, you don't get any points. But if you're in the 10th decile, the best ranking, you get 12. So let's say you have 32 points. Uh, you can also get some points if you are have an extraordinary achievement. Uh, that's a Nobel Prize. It's 25 points. You get this, David, though. A Nobel Prize is only 25 points. It doesn't, it doesn't get you any more than that. Uh, if you have, uh, you get is, 15. Is that like Obama's Nobel Peace Prize? It, no, this would be, it would be worse than that, David, 25. But it's people who actually have real, real Nobel Prizes. Um, 15 points if you have an Olympic medal. Okay, as a sporting event, as a Beth athlete. If you have a job offer for a highly compensated employment, you get five points if it's 150% of median income, eight points if it's 200% of income, 13 points if it's 300% of income. So if, you get, if you're making to make a lot of money, so let's say you speak English at the highest level, that's 10. Um, you have a PhD, that's 10. You're uh, 29, that's 30. And you're making a lot of money. It's 43 points that you get. Um, and so, so let's say, what am I going to do by 43 points? Oh, don't forget, there's also the investment or active investment in a management. This is taking the EB-5 program. You get six points if you're going to invest $1.35 million, or 12 points if you get $1.8 million. But you have to continue to invest, otherwise you lose all your points. Um, if you have a valid offer of admission under a family preference category, um, so like a spouse, effective spouse on accrual of points. So your spouse can actually contribute points to this or subtract points from this system. Um, and then you have to look, okay, where do, the, where do these points actually get me into the system? Uh, now, in order to immigrate to the United States, uh, you're going to have to get under Peru's system. Again, let's scroll back through here uh, to get to the points-based system. 
um, how many points am I going to need to immigrate, uh, eligibility screening, application testing, tie-breaking status, uh, duration of the system, invitation. All right, so in order to immigrate to the United States, you're going to need at least, David, uh, 30 points. Are you going to be able to get those 30 points, David? You, you probably can't get those points. You're not, so you are, you are not immigrating to America. I, I, I'm not immigrating to America. I'm too old. I'm going to immigrate to America. I'm not going to meet it. Uh, so who's, who's actually going to immigrate? Good-looking young ladies. No, no, that looks don't matter, David. So Melania? No, she's out. She's out. She's out. Sorry. Um, I guess she could do, be a mail-order bride. She could do that. But Melania would be out. Um, uh, Ivana would be out, first wife. She'd, she wouldn't qualify either. Well, the English language proficiency is clearly not, not going to be in the 10th in the decile, so she's out. Um, so a lot of people are going to be out. Who's actually going to immigrate to America? See, you have to ask, what is the real purpose of this bill? The real purpose of this bill is to limit immigration to America. <laughs> it's not to create jobs. <laughs> because these people they just described in this bill, they can already immigrate. They're, they can already come. And more of them, because the credit criteria is a little more liberal in the context of bringing people like this. So if you can already immigrate to America with, with this, what do you need the point system for? You need the point system only if you want to limit immigration to America, not if you want to better the immigration to America. So when, once you eliminate... 80% of family-based immigration and you limit employment-based or investment immigration in a way that people cannot qualify, you have effectively accomplished the purpose of Numbers USA, FAIR, the Center for Immigration Studies, and the Tanton people, whose job it is to limit immigration to America. And this bill is their orgasmatronic wish list. Uh, David, you, you watched The Sleeper when you were younger in your, in your wild days as a young man, Woody Allen's movie The Sleeper and the, the Orgasmatron. That's what this is. This is just a crazy wish list. And th this is why, David, there are only still, seven months after it's been introduced, two co-sponsors. Two. This bill is not serious. There, in fact, are serious bills for overhauling our immigration system that are out there. There are serious bills out there. You have, for example, um, a bill uh, introduced uh, that, um, uh, that allows uh, for, in the House, a complete overhaul of the immigration system as we know it. Now, it will never get consideration because it was put in by, Senator, by Representative Jackson Lee of Houston, Texas. But this is a bill that actually focuses on fixing every aspect of our immigration system. It's 112 pages long. It goes through our entire thing. This, this bill fixes what's wrong with a lot of aspects of our immigration system. But you know what? It won't ever have a hearing because we introduced by Sheila Jackson Lee. Has anybody ever come up with a trade bill? No, there's Where no trade Where we trade bill. a deadbeat American. <laughs> somebody that stands up that, and says, that kind of I hate America. Okay, fine. You hate America. Well, we're going to send you for one person from this country and you go to that country. You know, the problem is those other countries don't want these people either. Oh. That, you mean they got limitations yeah, on Yeah, like, like Germany doesn't want me back. They don't want me back. Um, 
and I, I'm sure, David, that, that the country your ancestors come from don't want you back either. Uh, so unfortunately, Texas. that kind of trade bill doesn't doesn't work. Oh. Uh, that's not going to actually be good for good for America long term either. We're going to tolerate our own crazies. Uh, the question is, you know, why? You know, part of this whole thing about the Rays Act and then the Dream Act. You look at what we get from each one. From the Rays Act, will cost America about two trillion dollars over the next ten years. Cost America two trillion dollars over the next ten years. They won't submit it for a fiscal report. That was actually scored by independently because they're afraid to put it to the CBO. Um, but you look at the DREAM Act and you see the score of that, and you see hundreds of billions of dollars contributed over the next decade to the U.S. economy at all levels. You see kids rising from poverty. You see families that are strengthened. Uh, you see uh, an American immigration system revitalized. There's simply no losers. There's no downside to this unless you hate people who don't look like you. So, David, that's our show for this week. Uh, it is, um, you know, this Raise Act is important, and we need to talk about it because we need to talk about what it's really about and really look at it from the lens of the law and how it really does destroy the future of America and the future of where we now stand. Until next week, this is your host, Chuck Cook, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.